Thanks for tuning in to Reach Radio, a podcast for public health professionals looking to expand their network, be inspired, and discover resources and tools that help improve the experience of public health professionals and patients in their communities. I'm your host, Fran. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Reach Radio. I am so excited to be able to introduce you to Cindy Eggleton, the co-founder and CEO of Brilliant Detroit which has a long history of working with, for, and by families to build a Detroit where children are successful. Cindy has years of experience working with major non-for-profit organizations. And now together with her team, they are implementing evidence-based programming through housing in the middle of neighborhoods to ensure that families with young children have what they need to be school-ready, healthy, and stable. Cindy, welcome to the show. It is truly an honor to be here with you, Fran. I'm really glad to just have this conversation. I know, we are as well and can't wait to get started. So tell us a little bit about your organization. Yeah, sure. So Brilliant Detroit is an organization that was created to for kids' success neighborhoods. That means neighborhoods where kids and family, what we call it belly to eight, have everything that they need in education, health, and family support. In a nutshell, our mission and focus is to assure that zip codes don't predict a child's future. So we do this by inviting the neighborhood in. They actually invite us to come to a neighborhood. And after we decide to be in a neighborhood, we repurpose an actual house in the middle of the neighborhood into an early childhood and family hub. And out of those locations, that's where all this programming, activity, and fellowship happens. It's been an incredible journey, let me just say that, because in Detroit, where we have started and currently are, 60% of kids live in poverty. That's three times the national rate. And at the same time, 10% of those kids have early care options along with their families. And you know what? We believe in a world where we all have support and we all can get to what we need. So we started this about five years ago. I'm a co-founder. And in that, it's been more growth than I can even imagine, but it is because of the neighborhoods. We are currently serving 7,500 people out of 12 locations. And we have very clear plans to get to 24 locations in Detroit, expand nationally and internationally over the next several years. Our results are telling the story. Um, We've been able to raise grade level two grades. And importantly, on health and family support outcomes, we've seen significant growth by a third-party evaluator. And again, here's the thing. We work with families. We invite them into this. We hire from the community. And this model is really showing that there's another way to work with people, and that's putting them at the center. Wow, that's really amazing. There's so many questions I have. Let me start with, you mentioned that you identify, did you say housing areas? So you're really... When you say you're in a neighborhood, you're not just like in like the business strip of the neighborhood. You're like in the neighborhood. neighborhood. Tell us more about that. How does that work? So the idea was that we would have 20-minute neighborhoods. You can walk there. And really early on when I was co-founding this, I asked people, what do you need? And one of the participants who became a participant said to me, look at Cindy, I need a number of things for my kids and myself. And in order to do that, one organization's over here, one organization's over there, one organization's over there. I work full time and I don't drive. And so 
it's an impossible, even though there might be all of those things and that exist, they're not there in the middle of the neighborhood. So that's what we do. We actually bring, we have 80 partners in our work that provide all of these supports and services in the middle of a neighborhood. And it starts with that house. There's something intimate about being in a house. We also have community dinners and breaking bread together. You form relationships. And in that, our staff know each other. I always say there's a lot of programs and services, but the most important thing that people find outside in our doors, which are all orange, are each other. And that has led to the outcomes that we have because you know what? We're missing that a lot in our world today. We've become a sort of a divisive, it's difficult, especially in neighborhoods that have been a little bit torn apart. And we knew this was going to be important. How important it is has shown itself. Let me tell you this story. It's a crazy thing. Is One of the things we learned early on came from one of our participants, and she knitted 75 hats for a community gathering. So first off, I can't knit a row, so the whole thing was very interesting to me. Um, And I wondered why and how she did that. So I asked her. First off, she's a great knitter, so clearly that's the how she did it. But the second piece of it is, is she said, Cindy, I've lived in this neighborhood for 35 years. I raised my kids here. This was my home and my neighborhood, and then it wasn't, and now it is. And I think that really describes, in a nutshell, what we're all needing. And when we can gather and when we, we call it love, safety, and then growth, we forget that we're human beings and that when we feel cared about and when we feel safe, then we'll grow. Oftentimes how we're doing things is we're throwing people into things and we're saying, oh, it's not participating. It's not that. People don't have that feeling of connectedness and safety. And we're finding because of our tremendous growth that that's what works. And so in a nutshell, this is the most important work I've ever done. I used to oversee a portfolio of $60 million. That's a lot of money. And it felt great. But it also felt sometimes that that money was being used to do the same things. This is really an innovation. And we plan to take it elsewhere, not as like a big institution, but as something that is brought forth by the communities. Because in the truth, I'm a little bit old. I finally learned how to listen. And when you listen to people, they tell you what you need. And when you walk alongside people, they lead. And that's what we need. Wow. I think that is just amazing. And it's so unique. So how did the one house get started? That first house? Yeah. So first off, I have to lift up my co-founders, Carolyn and Jim Bellinson. I met Jim at a meeting I was presenting on the state of early childhood. And we talked for about a year. And um, one day he called and said, how about we do what you've been saying? We'll make an impact because I had some thoughts about that, but do it out of houses. So the first house, I needed to actually do listening sessions in a neighborhood I knew. And that's what I did. And we still do that. But this time, I'm not picking a neighborhood. The neighborhoods pick us. And we we talked to people. We asked, do you think this is a good idea? What do you think? And that's how we chose one particular neighborhood. There's three things we look for. One, there's enough density of kids, right? We want to have kids and families. Two, is there enough need for something? 
Okay. And then three, which is really the important part about being invited in is, is that community going to own this? This is not about an organization owning change. It's about people and a community. And so that's where we are. We have a waiting list right now, both in Detroit, but outside of Detroit. In Detroit, by 2024, we aim to get to 24 locations. Here's why. If we do that, we can change population level change. That is the holy grail. And if you think about the beauty of people and families and neighborhoods doing what they need and want to get the right things for their kids and families, and that's what changes the statistics. So that's where we're going and very determined on this growth. (laughs) Cindy, I love this. And I just, wow. So, okay. Talk to us about, now we know how we sort of got started with that first house, but what goes on inside of it? I mean, you talked about, did you mention dinners and gatherings? And So there's programming and activities for kids, kids and adults together and adults only. Let me tell you what that might look like. I'm going to use one of our participants. Her name is Jazz. Jazz came to us. She has four children. They're really in that age range from one to eight. So she's taking a GED class while her kids that are in uh, five to eight are taking grade level reading tutoring. Her two-year-old is working with her in a play and learn as well as language boosting because all of those things matter. They're all taking exercise, which looks like they take Zumba and Hustle. Okay. And they're learning healthy eating habits because we have nutrition classes. And she has become a mental health certified coach. And she's running a peer-to-peer group because that's been her dream. And she's a member of our advisory there because each neighborhood has an advisory that informs what happens there. So they're thriving. And that's what happens. Now, that's a beautiful example. Sometimes somebody comes in and they tip their toe in, right? They're going to do one thing. But ultimately, what happens and where change happens is when people come again and again. Jazz said to me early on, because I want to really say she helped me really put a name to what we're doing. And she said, Cindy, I am 26. I have these kids. I've had a hard life. I've been to a lot of organizations and I never felt cared about. I felt like I needed what I was getting and they were providing it, but I didn't feel cared about until now. And so what that meant for her is she started to come to our location. She's there four or five days a week before COVID, and she's still there and participating every day as we do virtual right now because she felt seen and because she felt cared about. And that's what this looks like. So the whole family is doing well and thriving. Still, there's a lot to do. Poverty is hard to bust, right? So there's lots of things to do, but it goes in a process. I say to people, what she said to me is organizations provide programs and services, but a community is there for each other. That's basically what it is. We do both. The other thing that I want to say is we've all been in really great programs. They're awesome. Does it transform our lives? Maybe not. Eight weeks doesn't do that. We're there belly to eight. We're looking for transformation. It's really powerful. And so someone decides to come by. So they're walking through the neighborhood. Maybe it's a Saturday morning and they're walking through the neighborhood or they're just kind of like, they maybe don't have anywhere else to go or anything else to do, but they want to get out. And I know this is a little bit like our dream post pandemic, but whether it's online or whether it's 
physically in person, they just show up or do the, is it like so, by appointment? Like, how do you participate? The answer to that is yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Pre-pandemic, you can just drop in. There's classes, there's activities. And again, we do community dinners. We post what those are. They're actually posted in the front of every house every day. But there are some efforts you have to register for because we only have limited seating or in order for it to be as effective as it needs to be, it's a cohort, right? So you have to take it in order. So the answer is all of it. But here's what happened when you do come in the door. We greet you. We learn who you are. Our family support is there. We ask you, if you could wish upon a star, what do you want for you and your family? And that's the beginning of a process of what you can do and take. Wow, that is really awesome. And it sounds as though from what you've described that there are a lot of key stakeholders that are involved In addition to the community, you said community first and foremost, right? And not just community, the folks directly within the community, within the neighborhood, but also more than that. Can you talk about some of those key stakeholders? This is a really, really important thing. It takes every one of us. And sometimes I call that power and love coming together, right? And creating that ability. So for us, that's community stakeholders, often from the community, but others. It can be funders. And our funding is 50% restricted grants and 50% individuals. That allows us to do what we need to do in answer to the community. And lastly, we need volunteers. So we have 2,500 volunteers active right now. They're doing things like the mentoring for tutoring, et cetera. And they come from 250 zip codes. So that's neighbor to neighbor, regardless of zip codes. But here's how we do it. It's about relationships. So when we do a turkey giveaway, we're actually doing activities where the families who are participating in our effort are in in programs along with those that are putting the turkey baskets together because we want to build relationships. That is so beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So when you identify a house, are you guys investing in these properties? Are they donated? How do you go about site selection? What makes for an ideal house? We kind of work with the neighborhood to find what they think is the right location, frankly. And it's usually a pretty devastated looking house that we're returning back to functioning. And that's really a beautiful way to look at transformation. But it's a number of ways. We've had some houses donated, but generally we're purchasing it for not a lot of money and renovating it so that it is a beautiful place. We own all of our properties outright, except for one that is our building that we're leasing. We're working towards that. And that's so that we can have a very affordable model so we can serve more people. And that's worked for us. It's about costs us about $300 a year because we're utilizing volunteers, program partners, about 300 for somebody to participate for a year. They don't pay anything, but that is a really good price point from just a business standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. So we designed it that way. And I think those are some of the factors that lead to the growth. Now, in terms of opportunity, it sounds like there's so much out there. And I think earlier you sort of alluded to it that, you know, beyond Detroit. So talk to us about your national vision. I presume you've got an international vision as well, but I'd love to hear about your national vision first. Yeah. So we currently have 17 cities that have reached out to us to ask us 
to come there. Now, we don't come without doing a lot of listening, right? So it still is the same model. It would be in the neighborhoods, et cetera. We are working on what does that look like? Part of it might be that we give this model away to an organization to implement. And part of it is, is that we set up shop in those cities. We're looking to either 2022 or 2023 launch three locations nationally to test it. We think that's the right number. And we've also been reached out to internationally. We have four other countries that have asked us to bring the model there. And again, we want to do that. We want to be able to create and help create these spaces. How we do it, we're working on some of them. Like I said, we'll set up shop. But in many cases, what we want to do is actually help somebody else set up shop. I absolutely love this model, Cindy. This is incredible. I mean, you make it sound so easy, but I presume that, you know, there are some challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you make the investment in this property. Now you've got to go in and you've got to build and you're working with community and people have different priorities. Tell us, what are some of the challenges that you have faced? Let me just say this. I live a fairy tale. I totally do. This is going to be my last job and I love what I do. I go to sleep at night concerned about things like the grade level reading rate which is very low, worried about kids and families. But I wake up every morning energized because of the families we're working alongside. And so, yes, there's challenges. Sometimes somebody doesn't get the house uh, repaired in the order that you want it to be. I think our biggest challenge right now is, is actually kind of simple. We've built a model built on relationships and love. And as we grow... We have 50 staff right now. We want to maintain that. Even within our organization, we're a family. And that's where it starts first. And so our biggest challenge is making sure structurally we have equitable structures as we grow, okay? And also that we grow in a way that supports people. One of our staffs recently reached out to me and she said, Cindy, I have an idea for our annual fundraiser. Why don't you just put our staff up there? And the truth is, is we, we hire from neighborhoods. Now, that might be somebody who has their master's, et cetera, and has been doing this work. And it also might be somebody, this is their first job. And so we're all about growth and just balancing in, that, in a way that's organized and maintains what happens, but does not lose the essence of what we're about. That is absolutely beautiful. I'd love to learn as would our listeners love to learn about some of the resources or tools that you have found to just be invaluable in the process of, you know, growing your organization? Yeah. So I'm growing our organization and then I'll talk about growing people. Okay. So organizationally, we set off with a really strong business model. That's important. We also had a very clear mission, but importantly, our values and how we were going to do this. We have not veered. It's interesting because when we do surveys with our team, they know why we exist and how we exist. That really is all about culture, right? Culture eats everything. But we also did a couple other things, which I talked a little bit about how the funding model is so that I could get up and say to neighborhoods, you do have a voice because we have unrestricted funding. That's important. 
The other piece of it is bringing in volunteers. I hear all the time for volunteers that they want to do something, but they don't know how, and they don't know what, and they don't feel connected. And really, based on our mission and value, that's been important. The other thing we have, and we're actually retooling it further right now, is Brilliant You. And in that, that's for our staff. And once we get it um, fully rolled out, we're going to roll it out to our participants. And that's ways for people to grow personally, professionally, and just technically. We have 90 offerings in there right now. So our staff, we lean into really heavily wherever they are so that they're growing. And you know what happens for people that feel cared about and are growing? It goes out to others. And so those are the things that I think we really put in there and we want to protect as we grow. It's a good business model. It's a distribution system. Now, for people, we know that there's some core programs and efforts, but it all starts with a relationship. So in our tutoring, it's not just sitting in front of a computer. It's building relationships. One of our partners, what they did during COVID is they provided a plant to the tutor and a plant to the, the kid. And they watch the plant grow. So how do you grow relationships first? And then what we found is that kids and our family members, they want to come to the sessions, even though they're virtual, over anything else. Why? Not because it's great information as a start, but because they want to feel connected. And so those are some of the things that are at the essence and really, really important in the work we do. But none of this happens without people everywhere coming in and being part of this. And so we always need donations, always to help build. We've got a pretty aggressive timeline and agenda, but we also need people to give their talent. And we try to find what that talent is. Those are things that can be found on our website, brilliantdetroit.org, or I love people to email me at info at brilliantdetroit.org. So we can find that out and match people up. If you're doing good volunteering work, your life has changed as much as the person you're helping with. Cindy, thank you so much for your time today. This is absolutely refreshing. It is just a brilliant way, quite frankly, a brilliant way to make a true difference longstanding within communities all across the world. So thank you and congratulations to you and and the rest of the members of your organization. Now you just gave us some contact details. I want you to say one more time for me, if someone wants to get a hold of you and learn more about the work of your organization, or perhaps they have a question, what's the best for them to contact you? That's right. It's info at brilliantdetroit.org. And let me just tell you, thank you for having me here because being able to tell this and spread this, and this is a good news story, right? We need that right now. Um, So I really am grateful to be here. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio. This program is made possible by listeners like you. To learn more about Reach and to support this program, visit www.reachtl.org.